Hey, Dave. Remember that time we went to the pub and we met those girls and one of them got off with you because she said you were fit because um, you reminded her of Frodo Baggins. <laughs> Is that real? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's real. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. I'm Austin. And just like Artemis Fowl, we want you to remember our name. Mm, that's not good, is it? That sounds less like the tagline to a blockbuster movie and more like the ramblings of a deranged serial killer. <laughs> is, that the to, is that the tagline to the film? Artemis yeah. Fowl, remember the name. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. A, I thought it was the tagline of fame. <laughs> <laughs> If you've never heard this show before, then hold on to your classic children's books because we're about to give you an update, whether you like it or not. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some awful xylophone playing, and some sound effects and a lot of banter. So do stick around. Now, this week's film, as I said before, is the 2020 action-adventure Artemis Fowl. Is it Artemis Fowl? Or is it Artemis Fouled His Pants? <laughs> wow. oh, so we're back to toilet humour again. Uh, yeah, right. I, 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 there's so many things <laughs> you could have done with turkey. That, I know, I could have made know, so many bad puns, yeah, but so I decided many. to stoop to the toilet humour. Essentially, yeah, stoop, is well this... Done. <laughs> I'm going to Coop, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, swoop. I thought you were talking about. <laughs> Essentially, is, is this worthy of a place on our questionable hit list or will it be thrown into the depths of our even more questionable shit list? And hopefully, we're going to find out. And now, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode. So, if you haven't seen Artemis Fowl yet, check it out. It's free if you have a Disney Plus account. Or you can just listen to this episode after you've watched the film. Or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by Dave, which will start around the 45-minute mark, I reckon. Now, before we go on, we should talk about our last film on trial, which was Birdman. Uh, Joel judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. He's since gone away and watched that film. What do you reckon? Do you make the right call, Joel? Um, I think I did, but I can definitely understand if people don't agree I certainly don't think it's one of those films that's for everybody. And I am definitely in that camp of I don't enjoy films that leave like the ending up to you. Do you know what I mean? I just like to be told what happens. I don't like to go home from the cinema and be like, but can he fly or did he die or did he shoot himself and die then? You know, I, I just don't like that. But I think it's on the right list. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Joel. Uh, now, this week's film on trial, as I said before, is Artemis Fowl. I don't know how well this is going to go. Hang on. Not very well at all. Why do I always start with it on silent mode? Hang on. Nope. Hey, that was pretty all right. Yeah, I'm not going to say it was good. I'm going <laughs> to say it was pretty all right. I'm very proud of that one. And I am actually getting irate that none of you have got any sort of look of recognition in your eyes right now. It was uh, it was Blackbeard by the Beatles. Oh. What is in our eyes, Gav? 
Pity. Just, no, I'd say just absolute <laughs> nothingness. You know, when uh, Donald Pleasance is describing Mike Myers. <laughs> <not> Mike Myers. <laughs> Sorry, I meant Michael Myers. <laughs> so I've just like pure blackness, pure evil. That's what it looks like right now. But once again, he was talking about Michael Myers, not Mike Myers. Although, you know, he probably wouldn't be wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, this film wasn't picked out of the hat at random, but was instead picked picked by us here at Film Central as we try to desperately grasp onto any relevance that we can. Uh, however, all of the roles have been picked out at random. So acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave and Ozzy. Now, obviously, I haven't seen this film, so I've had to uh, come up with insults that are Baird-related instead of anything to do with the film. Okay, so... <laughs> Ozzy is like a cockatiel. He's small. Uh, <laughs> he eats mainly plants. He's very colourful. He's melodic. And a great number of people want to put him in a cage. <laughs> Dave is just like a kiwi. He looks like he's covered in hair. And some people often mistake him for a mammal. But those people are wrong. <laughs> acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Joel and Alex. Joel is just like a turkey. It looks like he has a beard on his chest. He has strong, sturdy legs, and most people want to stick a fork in his ass. <laughs> and Alex is just like the American eagle. Oh, God. He's bald. <laughs> He's bald. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he is bald. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be the real opinions, however. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts, which means this week I will be playing the most important role as I will be playing the judge. And I'm a little bit like a seagull. I will literally eat anything and I'm incredibly loud and obnoxious. Now, I must decide which... Hang on, least... hang on, hang on. You will not literally eat anything. We have to cook for you. You eat yeah, basically you eat nothing. Next to nothing, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You can't eat anything. <laughs> you, explode. Right. you literally explode. You eat <laughs> Just like a seagull. Things. <laughs> Just like a seagull. A seagull will eat anything, but it shouldn't eat everything. <laughs> now, I, You're more I like must... a kiwi, close to extinction. now i must decide which list of films should be based on hit or shit based solely on the arguments brought to me and not using my own opinion which is good because i haven't seen uh whatever we're doing artemis foul yeah Uh, now i think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about so why not i spin the wheel of impressions So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it's landed on Dave. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, would you <laughs> Good luck, Dave. like to read out the synopsis? Uh, I, I, have, I haven't seen the film, so I can't I, I can't. I think say it's just got to be a, a standard Irish accent. Yeah, right? vaguely, vaguely it's, Irish it's accent. in Ireland, fine. so yeah, an Irish tilt to it, I think. I, I, I cannot do an Irish accent, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the IMBD summary, isn't it? Yep. Yep, the little yep. one. So an Irish accent. You've got you know an Irish leprechaun accent to beat Dave, so yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> pr- no pressure. Like really quite stereotypical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's got to be an offensive Irish accent. If you just think Please. the third season of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> apologies in advance. Oh, oh, God, yeah. Okay, yeah. apologies in advance to, to all Irish listeners. All Artemis Fowl, a young criminal prodigy. Hunts down a secret society of fairies to find his missing father. Northern Irish. I did not think you were going to. Yeah, go I Northern thought you were going to go Southern. I hey, thought you. Right. I, 
I really yes. like the menace you put in that as well. A lot of Cat's family are from Southern Ireland. So it's yeah. probably best I don't attempt a Southern Irish accent. Right, let's hear it again as a Southern Irish accent. Uh, I'd rather. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hang on, won't that anger them more? You choose a <laughs> I know, yeah, Northern Ireland to a Southern Ireland. It's a bit of a it was a lose lose situation. Day, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, it's a lose lose. <laughs> you reminded me of Pete Pofflesweet in the town. You know, it's sort of, is he, is he from Northern Ireland or is he from Yorkshire? You don't know. Or <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say in the name of the father, but no, no, you went to town. <laughs> it's a bit, you remember in the usual suspect as well yeah. it's like it's best not Ooh. to ask where Pete Postle yeah. from there. Just yeah, like, yeah 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 it's it go right past it count your lucky stars I didn't say just like <laughs> in the usual suspects uh, okay now um, yeah, without further hesitation allow me to kick off proceedings uh, so I'm going to pass it over to the defence uh, just give us a general summary what is this film actually about I've got no idea I haven't read the book I haven't watched the film I've not done any research I haven't even checked out what the score is on Rotten Tomatoes to leave it as a surprise for the end so just yeah. let us know what, what, what it's about Okay, I'll take this one. Um, essentially, this is an adaptation of Ian Colfer's uh, 2001, I think it was, novel Artemis Fowl. It's a children's book. It came out just a couple of years after Harry Potter. It cannot escape the comparisons between the two. Because of the comparisons that people made right out of the gate, it was snapped up pretty quickly um, for uh, distribution rights for the eventual film. So this has been in the making, you could say, for some time now. Um, and essentially what the film is about is it follows, uh, so what the book is about, it follows Artemis Fowl, who is this child prodigy. He is about 12 years old and he has got some genius level intellect. He is good with technology. He is good with linguistics. He is seriously off the charts clever, but by God, he knows it. He is actually the villain of the first book, Artemis Fowl. He is technically the bad guy. Um, his father is believed dead. This is in the book, not the film. It believed dead. Uh, turns out, He's not. He's just been abducted. He is a master criminal. Uh, Artemis Fowl aspires to be just like his father and so wants to be a master criminal also. So what he does is he, um, although his father never believed in the mythical world, Artemis does. He looks into the mythical world and finds out he can prove the existence of fairies and other mythical creatures and plans to kidnap one, basically just for ransom so he can get gold. Now, the film follows that same sort of story, but twists it slightly. With it being Disney, they didn't want to have a bad guy as their protagonist for a kid's film. So in this one, his father is kidnapped by mythical creatures, and he has got to steal something from the fairies. He kidnaps one to ransom, but the ransom's for good cause. It's to buy his father's freedom, essentially. So with a few subtle tweaks and a few subtle differences, Disney have adapted in Colfer's original novel. Uh, this could be a franchise in the making. There are a lot more uh, Artemis Fowl books. To... Oh, sorry. Yes, Alex? <laughs> sorry. No, no. There are, I, sorry. Uh, there are no, many no, no coffin, please, Alex. No, uh, whether it be genuine or ironic. <laughs> there are many more Artemis Fowl books uh, to adapt. So this could be the start of a big franchise for Disney. Could be a big moneymaker for them. Um, and so, yeah, this is essentially the story that you have. Uh, and is it any good? Is it well adapted, Dave? I would say so. They've made a, a, quite a few changes. They've had to. They've decided to merge uh, book one and book two. So uh, because they did that, they've had to condense the plot a bit, move it along a bit faster. They've made some changes, all of which had the blessing of Ian Colfer, who's actually quite happy with the result. He says he approves of the changes that director Kenneth Branagh and that the screenwriters decided to make to it. He understands why you know, the visual medium is very different to the literary one. So he's on board with the changes. Um, I mean, I've not read the books myself, but I see why they've decided to make the certain ones that they have. It's a fairly good adaptation um, insofar as taking the original source material. Changes were made for the right reasons. So, uh, yeah, I think they did a good job. 
Okay. And Alex, I can see you are holding back a laugh there. So can you <laughs> no, please not... tell me why they didn't do a good job? Um, like, the, I haven't read the original books, but Dave did a Dave did you know a, a really good talk about what what the plot is like in the books. That's not what you see in the film. You know, I know they've made changes, but Dave said at one point, you know, he said they, Disney didn't want a bad guy as a protagonist. Well, I've done research about the books. And like the whole the whole draw of the books is the fact that Artemis Fowl is a villain in it. Not like a villain as in like an actual terrible villain. It's like an anti-hero. That's the whole point of him. Like the plot in this film is honestly pretty much incomprehensible. And it's surprising seeing as though the vast majority of this film is just exposition. It's insane. I've never seen a film like it. It's, I'd say it's it's got to be up there with like the likes of Inception where it's constantly explaining every single part of itself all of the way through and yet still somehow manages to be incomprehensible uh, artemis is like this precocious child you're told he's a genius but it's just because you know again the film just tells you all of these things you're never shown it you never see that he's he says like oh he can he can beat chess worlds uh you know the grandmaster at chess and fantastic you never really see him being clever in this film you never really see any character to him whatsoever and yet the entirety of it is just constant explanation. You've explained about this, you explained about that, and you just get completely bored by it. Um, and it's at the expense of any character interest whatsoever. Like, I, basically, Artemis Fowl doesn't have a character. It's only what you're told. The, the, the narrator is Josh Gad, who plays Mulch. Um, and he's so, basically... Just save. So Josh Gad plays this character who's arrested at the beginning of the story, right? And yeah. he's kind of the narrator for the whole film, right? And he's called his character's called Mulch. Yeah, I thought you said he was called Munch. <laughs> <laughs> Mulch. Mulch. And he's just—he basically just explains every single thing that's going on, like all the time, um, at the expense of like any interest in the character. So, you, so you never actually—and he says like, right, yeah, Artemis, Artemis Fowl is this absolute genius. You cannot begin to comprehend how genius this kid is. And yet you never see that at any point during the film. He's meant to be this, like, I don't know what he's meant to be because he's never described. He's meant to be, I've realized he's, at the end of the film, he says, I'm Artemis Fowl and I'm a criminal mastermind. And you're just like, what? <laughs> at what point in, the, in this film have you been a criminal mastermind? When has that ever been? He's just a precocious kid who's, who's clever, apparently, because you're told he's clever, but never does anything actually clever. So his plans, these amazing plans that he sets up, this first thing is, you know, he's got to capture this fairy. You're not really sure why. You've been explained so many times you don't really want to know anymore. And his plan, his grandmaster plan to capture this fairy is to ask his bodyguard to shoot it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not exactly like a massively well-ordered plan. They're just like, right, yeah, shoot the, fa the fairy. The, the best, like, the entire plot just crumbles as soon as you start thinking about it. There's this bit where he's like, he's meant to... He's meant to basically go from like, maybe fairies are real. I'm not sure if fairies are real. To then making this plan where he guesses the exact response of the fairy cop team. It just doesn't make any sense at all. And okay. yeah, so I, I, sorry, I, I can, Dave's done a very good defense there, but he's, it, it's just, it's appalling exposition all the way through and still honestly incomprehensible. Okay, right. I, I do want to ask. Well, go on. I, well, I'm gone. So no, go on. Ozzy, right. Just, firstly, uh, one thing I've got to ask: fairy cop team. Um, 
is it as bad as it sounds? <laughs> to me or to? Yeah, Austin, yeah. No, I think I think the whole... I actually think the film is, is, is pretty good when you work out who it's aimed at. And it's aimed at kids. Like, that's why. And I'm surprised that, that Alex, a man who works with children every day like, of the week, <laughs> doesn't grasp that this is the perfect storytelling medium for kids. And this is the way that you have to tell kids between the ages of four and 14. You have to keep pushing the same uh, point across. And that's why we're told from the, the art of a narrator. I is that true, Alex? Have you yeah, lost touch I, with the kids? I, I, I'll now say, as as someone who teaches children writing, Austin, <laughs> that, like, no, they can definitely follow a plot without it being explained constantly. Also, you know, Ozzy's saying this is an audience is for kids. Well, the people who read the books aren't going to like this because the character's been changed from a villain to just a nothing. So yeah, the but people, that's they're not the, going to like it. The people who the, read the, the books who, are now 30. The people who haven't read the books aren't going to even understand what's going on because it's, it's just like, who is Artemis Fowl? What is happening? So there is no, there is no audience for Artemis Fowl. Okay. Uh, Austin, I, I, right, it's, I know it sounds like a hard balancing act to try and please two different sets of an audience here, you know, the original book readers. And then obviously today's kids, they're going to go and watch it too. You think they, they did a good job? Um, I, based on the what they've done is they've got just enough to pay uh, to pay homage to the the people who liked the books or are aware of the books, but they've changed it. It's not the same story, and 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 they, it makes no uh, like no apologies for that. This is not the this this literally is not the same story. You've got the bulk of the first book to set things up, so you know who he is, and then a touch of the second book because that's where the real excitement is of the two books. You know, this is a. This is a film that's had to go through all sorts of production issues to get to where it is today. Um, and, and that's in one of the, the downsides of that. And I think actually one way for it to differentiate itself from Harry Potter is not to do a scene-by-scene remake of the books. You know, they've tried to reinvent this so that you, it's essentially, you know, it's a, you're touching through the books, which is how it's going to get people hooked on reading the, the story in its entirety. And, this, this is this is literally aimed at kids, and that's why it's it's fast paced, it's exciting, and, and like and I've spoke to four children over the weekend, <laughs> four whole four children, actual children. I spoke to about this film to make sure that because and I I won't disagree with Alex <laughs> is that when I watched it, I thought, oh, this is pretty pacey. You know, it's 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 almost two books done in an hour and a half. Uh, for me, I, that felt like you're not really touching on enough things in in this. When I asked these kids what they saw, because we, we planned it, made sure they watched it as well, because it's on Disney+, Plus, lent them Disney+, Plus. they watched the film, and then I got to ask them about it. And four out of four children Hang on. loved Aussie. the film. Aussie, I honestly didn't know you knew four children. I mean, I know, I know two parents of children. <laughs> in between them they have four children that's great that's great what, what are we doing this weekend mum oh uh, some random lads at work uh, watching to watch Artemis I don't want to do that you will watch that and you will listen to him while he records you yeah we should say at this point obviously he's recorded interviews with children right, uh, talking about this film I was going to ask know. politely to, to if I could submit evidence 
Yeah, so, well, yeah. I, I, I don't know where we stand legally with uh, playing recordings of children. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm guessing he obtained permissions. Yeah? <laughs> well, yeah. They knew they were sort being of. recorded. Yeah. Hang on, obviously, before you start playing, I'll come back to you. Joel, you've been the only person in this chat that has actually read the books, the original books. Um, what, what did you think of the adaptation? Firstly, did you like the original books? And secondly, what did you think of the adaptation from book to film? Uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed the book. You know, it was recommended to me uh, kind of around the same time that I read the Harry Potter books. And, um, you know, I disagree slightly with what Dave said. I wouldn't say that he's a villain. He's more of like, he starts off more of, of as an anti-hero, I would say, in that he kind of, um, you know, it isn't your conventional kind of kids hero type of thing. But he's also got this kind of, you know, wit about him. It's like one of those films... You know, like we mentioned Inception, where like the main character is really clever, and um, you know he he comes up with all these schemes and things like that, and that's what Artemis does, and you just don't get that in this in this film at all. In fact, I would go as far as to say, is, you know, it's not this film, whatever it is, it, it's not Artemis Fowl. There's there's very very little to do with Artemis Fowl other than the name and the fact that it's got fairies in it. Um, it's just a complete mess. You know, Alex touched on the the kind of closing line where he says, like, my name's Artemis Fowl and I'm a criminal mastermind. And at no point does he mastermind anything in the film, whereas the book is, is constantly full of him, like, one-upping, you know, everybody else. It's like those kind of situations where the fairies think they've outsmarted him only for him to come back with, you know, like, I knew this was going to happen and I've one-upped you again type of thing. Um, it's just like beyond belief, really. And, you know, we kind of watched uh, on our lads' holiday, Bulaquo, uh, <laughs> last last year. Honestly, I would put this film <laughs> probably below that film. That, that's no. how, that's how yeah. terrible this film is. Yeah. incredibly hard yeah, to yeah. believe that both of the prosecution have compared this to Inception, one of the greatest films. Of, <laughs> no, you know, we haven't, Ozzy. And, <laughs> and then go on to say that it's worse than Bullock. I don't know how you can put them in the same league. Either it's as good as Inception, and as you've said don't twice. lecture us on or, or it's as good as Bullock. So, you know, I, just, I just want to mention one thing as well, which I think is like, uh, I, you know, something that kids' films needs to stop doing. And, um, you know, the there's these dwarfs in the film and the, the film basically says like all dwarfs are, are pickpockets all dwarfs are bad you know what i mean and, and i just think it's like a bad precedent to to set to say that all of this race mm-hmm. are evil you can't trust them they're all they're the criminals type of thing yeah, yeah. you know i think there's like a bit of prejudice there which the film definitely especially when it's saying the children you know should be avoiding um and then just one final small point like i'm sure you've seen like some of the pictures but the costumes are just fucking horrendous like <laughs> artemis just walks around in this kid's like hugo boss suit or something and he just looks like you know a complete idiot like the the elves uh, if you've seen judy dench i feel i feel so sorry for her she looks like the fucking fly um, she, she looks worse than she did in Cats. Yeah, like, <laughs> her, her, her career is just <laughs> one of the characters is just extremely comparable to Hagrid from Harry Potter. Like he just looks the exact same as him. It, it's just a complete mess from start to finish. I think that, that that's the only way I can describe it. And you know, me and Alex had a, had a bit of a funny chat offline before this. We said, you know, when Dave was watching it, we can imagine him sat there with his 
with his notepad and then at the end of it still just have a blank page so then we said we, Ozzy probably genuinely enjoyed this and it's probably in his top three films now so it probably tells you everything you need to know <laughs> okay uh, Dave um, I'm going to ask you about script uh, mm-hmm. but first I, I noticed your hand going up and down there like a fiddler's elbow uh, yeah. when Alex and Joel were talking I, I imagine you want to rebut some of their, <laughs> their claims I would, I would just like to clarify this is as caught, bad as Bula quo <laughs> a couple of points yeah, I, mean, I mean that's an opinionated thing anyway I, I'm not going to argue with a man's opinion but okay <laughs> what Bruce was saying about um, our fairies really just kind of assumes that fairies are real right off the bat is that in the book um, his father does not introduce him to fairies. There's this whole bit where he has to look at through mythical folklore. He teaches himself to read the fairy language and to speak it himself. Um, to save a bit of time, they've gone through that. Colin Farrell, who plays his father, Artemis Fowler uh, the first, yeah, the first, um, basically believes in the mythological world himself. So he kind of introduced his son to that before the films started. So it just saves you a bit of time. It saves you some of that exposition that Alex was railing against. Um, mulch is a framing technique. That's, as adults, we can sit back and see that, that mulch and the narration that Josh Gad is giving, yeah, it is a framing technique, once again, to save you a bit of time in moving this film forward. This contains two books, and to be honest with you, a couple from what Kat was telling me, who has also read the books, and I was getting her opinion on a lot of this, it also contains an element of the third. This is not Disney looking at this as a cash cow. They are not trying to drag this out. They're not trying to turn one Hobbit book into a trilogy. You know, they're just, they're not, they're not bothered about stretching this out as long as they can. They're trying to make a decent film. So they've put two books together, elements of the third. They're not bothered about saving anything for the future. So mulch is a framing technique just to keep things moving along at a rapid pace and keep the kids interested. I think Ozzy hit the nail on the head when he says that a lot of the fans of the originals may not like the changes, but they're adults now. This film isn't meant for them. Disney have got hold of this. They make films for the family. They make films that are engineered for kids and aimed at kids. The original fans of these books have grown up. They are not the target audience anymore. Neither are we. Um, I don't think the fairy cop team was that bad. I quite like the uh, LEP, Lower Elements Police Reconnaissance Team, Leprechaun. 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 (laughs) I quite quite liked it. And what I liked about them is that they use um, technology. You know, it makes it, whenever you see like modern day films that have a fantasy element, you're looking at, uh, you know, they're still using like swords and they're still dressed like medieval knights and what have you. It makes sense that the mythological world would move along at the same pace as as our world. You know, they use technology to, to enhance their magic, to go along with the magical elements that they have. Um, and, you know, he doesn't mastermind anything. The whole thing about getting mulch into the mansion in the first place is Artemis Files' idea. He masterminds that. He masterminds the kidnapping of Holly. You know, he doesn't do the legwork. That's down to uh, Nonzo Alonzi's uh, butler character. You know, he's the muscle at the end of the day. But I think he's a 12-year-old kid. What can he do? <laughs> Sorry, is someone waving at me? No, so I'm, yeah, I'm trying no, to it's... communicate with Alex. He was trying right. to communicate with me, but not very efficiently. So. Sorry, and my last point was dwarves are not evil. This is um, it's based on Irish folklore. You know, it's Ian Cole for he, he took elements of Irish folklore. In Irish folklore, they are treasure hunters. They are treasure seekers. They, they mine and, bur- and bury for treasure. So he's kind of just progressed that to another level where it's like they're obsessively hunting for treasure. And if that means they pickpocket a couple of valuables along the way, I don't think it's like a whole, uh, cover the whole race with this kind of, um, this, um, this same sort of time with the same brush. I think that's a bit unfair. Um, yeah, it's just, it's Irish folklore. It's a different kind of dwarf than we may have seen before from like the Tolkien 
stuff, but this is traditional Irish folklore based. So, okay. and I'm sorry, Gab, what did you want to know? <laughs> no, I, well, I, I feel like I have to move on to Alex because he's waving his hand so much. I'm afraid he's going to take <laughs> oh, flight. Okay. So, uh, Alex, right, you can quickly rebut okay. some of Dave's and then I'm going to move on because Joel's getting bored and he's drawing penises all over the whiteboard here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, Dave says it's got to move on quickly, but move on quickly to what? It doesn't spend any time actually doing anything fun in this film. It's constantly just telling you the plot rather than... It's a really serious film. It's a really, really serious film, and it should have played it for laughs. You know, like Judy Dench being a fairy cop. Yeah, play it for laughs. But for some reason, we're meant to think she's some sort of super cop. It's this bit where everything comes down, she gets out. She's got these little goggles on. The costume's so bad. And she, goes, <laughs> and she goes, top of the morning to you, to no one. Do you know what I mean? She just says it like, whoa, she's such a badass. And honestly, you just laugh out loud. You know, that's the only thing you can say about this film. It's so appalling that it does actually make you laugh. Dave was talking about the Disney, and this is what Disney have gone for. Disney have clearly dumped this while they know loads of people at home on Disney Plus because they knew if it went to the theaters, it was going to get absolutely trashed. It's the best way of releasing this film. It's just dump this toxic, toxic film that's been around their necks for absolutely years and years and years. This has been production hell, and it shows. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, a lot of the film, this exposition is about world building, okay? And you can forgive, the, you could forgive the film for all that world building exposition. If you spend any time in that world, the most bizarre thing this film does is, it tells you, it shows you this fairy world, shows you this Lep Recon and all of these fantasy things. And instead of Artemis going to that world, the world comes to Artemis and you spend, Artemis basically spends the entire film in his own house. And it's just frankly bizarre. I don't know why he doesn't go into that world and you find out more about it. it, it it's just the weirdest choice the film could have made. Thank you very much, Alex. Uh, right, moving on to script here. Uh, people are getting bogged down with finer details of the film. Uh, I want to know about more overarching things. So, uh, Dave, script, let, let, let me know what you think. Uh, fine, I guess. I mean, Alex said it was quite confusing. Um, and I've never read the book. I've never read Artemis Fowl. Someone bought it for me years ago. I never actually got around to reading it. I understood what was going on. And I think that's all you can ask from a kid's, uh, a kid's film. You know, whether it's, well, especially when it's been said that it's confusing uh, and that it's hard to follow. Um, it, it's not. I understood it. I got what was happening. I understood what the character's motivations was, uh, were, why they were doing what they chose to do. Um, so yeah, the script was fine with that regards. Um, expository dialogue, yeah, there is some. Um, but like I said, it's a framing technique and things like that. I don't think kids will necessarily recognize that it is expository dialogue. I think it's just filling in a gap for them if they've not read the book that it might explain. Um, I think it serves a purpose. And I think the script itself, I think it does fine, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it's an adaptation of a book. They don't really need to, to use their imagination too much. They made the changes they needed to make. And, you know, Ian Colfer's already given them some of the dialogue. You can just lift it out of the text. So, um, yeah, the scriptwriters did a fair job, but they didn't have to do too much. Like I say, when you're adapting a book, it's it's kind of already half done for you. Yeah, can I just jump in? I think actually nope. there's there's quite a few lines that are, that are, from what I'm aware of are not in the, in the book, and I think it's it is actually all right. There are a few bits where you know the, I think the all of the lines from the book sound it's the book in it, you know, so it's it's easy to follow. There's sort of a few bits thrown in there where um, uh, mulch. He's uh he's sort of chatting away to his um to his captors, and he's saying things like you know if, I wonder if they ever find out about uh, David Bowie and you know if if they ever knew he was one of us 
um, you know, everything they go they go mental, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of like a few little knowing hints to to adults. They're just enough, you know. They then it's not meant for us. It's not aimed at us. But there's just a couple thrown in there just to keep it that Disney know it's a family film. So you know, have a little listen, and you guys can have a little chuckle to yourself as well. Okay, I think I I think it's pretty good. There's enough in there that kept kids excited about it. The whole point of it is you're trying to you're just trying to entertain children, and that's literally what they've done. You know, okay. you've got a, a cool um, female elf who's uh, who's a bit of a badass, and the kids love it. And then you've got him, who's a bit of a badass, dressed in his suit, like like a kid's men in black. Kids love him. That's that's Oz, what. That's Ozzy, what listen, Ozzy, 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 I, I didn't realize how down with the kids you were, right? So I'm going to come. Did I until, yeah. until I watched this film? I'm going to come back to you in a bit <laughs> and ask you what the what all of the kids think about this film because you seem to speak for all of them. I can't actually find the recording, but you've got all, just, all of these kids looking for a voice, and, and little did they know it was a 33 year old man. <laughs> all I'm trying to get out to you is that we need to think about this film for its audience. True. Well, um, no, right. I'm going to pass over to Joel you're going to have to show up Ozzy uh, qu- quick question though Alex have you been wearing a tank top this entire time <laughs> no <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't actually think I haven't, got, I haven't got myself on camera so I'd sort of forgotten you could see me <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking where my sleeves gone <laughs> okay uh, Joel uh, script right you've read the book uh, we spoke before about being a good adaptation Dave says it borrows a lot of text from the book Ozzy says it adds a few nice funny one line or whatever for the audience what do you reckon Uh, the script the script is terrible you know i I don't think it needs to be so simple like if you think of something like disney pixar you know right with the incredibles with toy story all that type of stuff you know they don't kind of insult kids as to using like baby language you know artemis fowl is essentially like this whiny little brat um, you know, th- there's nothing that kids can take from this. And you now I understand that it's essentially marketed at an audience a lot younger than we are. Um, but I just think they should have done a hell of a better job. You know, I think it's obvious that it went through development hell. And I think they basically got to a stage where they said, let's just fucking make this now. You know, we need to do it. We need to just get it out. And I think they literally just, you know, did that. There's kind of, a whole bunch of times where uh, it seems as though uh, Ferdia for Shaw, who plays Artemis Fowl, is just completely unsure as to what is actually going on. You know, you can almost see him looking at the camera or looking around, you know, like you just completely taken out the film because he is just so unsure of what's going on unsure of like how to portray the character unsure of how to like say his lines i think the problem is is much much bigger than the script um so i mean getting into characters if that if that's all right you know i I really feel feel sorry for this guy you know i always think of uh is his name jake lloyd anakin from uh episode one yeah you know he obviously portrayed Anakin, Star Wars fans didn't like it. He basically got bullied and it literally ruined his life. I think didn't he end up in jail or a, a DUI or something like that? Yeah, right, it wasn't that you, bad a performance. Just because, you know, of the amount of bullying that he got. And I feel so sorry for this guy. It's, it's his first acting credit. 
and Disney have done this to him. You know, I can just imagine him coming home and being like, Mom, Mom, I've got the part of Artemis Fowl. And she's like, yes, yes, son. And then, you know, she watches the film and she's like, oh, Jesus. Is that your Irish accent? <laughs> oh, so, Jesus. What, you know, this what? is pretty amazing. Not only have we got somebody who speaks for the kids of today, we've got somebody who speaks for the kids of the future. This guy knows the path that this poor lad is headed down. <laughs> I do. I do, because when you watch it, you will feel the same way. Disney have really done him a serious injustice. Here. Um, but I'll throw it back to you to uh, <laughs> Thanks. To decide, Thanks, you know right. who who we want to predict next. <laughs> right uh, before I pass it over to the defence, uh, I've been told that there's a very quick addition to the script from the prosecution, Alex. Very you quick. Know, I've gone on about exposition. Um, I think the lines that Ozzy says they're more remarkable because someone finally isn't explaining exactly what's going on. A lot of a script starts with as you know, and they then explain something that somebody already knows, constantly done all the way through it. The, the last thing I'd say about the script is the whole thing that pushes the script through, the whole thing that's making everything drive, is this thing that's called the aculus, which I think it's pretty amazing that we haven't mentioned, considering this is the entire thing the film's about. It is the MacGuffin to end all MacGuffins. Like Every time you now think of MacGuffins, I will think of the aculus. What's no one knows what sorry? it is. A MacGuffin, sorry, is just like a very simple plot device yeah, that so pushes everything the forward. The sort of this thing you might use if you were explaining a story to kids. Yeah, no, no, no. A MacGuffin, but no, a MacGuffin can be a good thing, right? But a MacGuffin in this case is just irrelevant and not explained. It's literally used awfully. It's just, it's like this, we need to find the Oculus, we need to find the Oculus. And for ages you're thinking, I don't know what this is. Like, it's, is it not, it's a mystery. Do they know? Does anyone know? And it's like, no, I don't think the writer knows. Do you know what I mean? I don't think the guy who's writing the script actually knows what the Aculus is. It does these magic, it's this magical thing that does magic things. And the end, oh my magical God, the ending. Does magic things. Yeah, it, that's, that seems to be what the, they seem to explain it as. At the end of the film, you know, um, uh, Colin Farrell, Artemis Fowl Sr. has been um, kidnapped. That's the thing, you know, that he's trying to get his dad back. At the end, they managed to get this MacGuffin. They used the MacGuffin to bring his dad back from the kidnapper. And you're like thinking, right, okay, they're going to go and get this Opal Cowboy. And that's going to be the final showdown of the film. Amazing. Well, not amazing. Do you know what I mean? You're pretty much dead inside at this point. But you're like, right, this has got to be the way the film ends. And it doesn't. And it doesn't. You don't see, there's nothing happens with Opal Cowboy. He yeah. just, that, the film, he comes back. They use the magical MacGuffin finally to bring him back. And that's it. And you just like, I didn't even think at that point that it could be as awful as that ending. And, and yet it did. It's kind oh. of the perfect ending for a film that's as bad. As <laughs> okay. Okay. But right. I'm going to have to cut you off here, Alex. Sorry. Yeah. This, that was that not the definition quick. of quick that wasn't at all. Quick. Right. Dave, um, I want, want you to talk to me about the direction, the, the production, the cinematography. Is there anything that you want to come back on very, very quickly, more quicker than I'll, what Alex just... I'll try, and be, I'll try and be as quick as I can. Um, okay, one thing I just thought to point out that Alex said that the plot was too hard to follow and yet now Joel's saying it's too simple. There's a bit of a contrast going on there I'd just like to point out. Development hell has been said a couple of times now. It wasn't in development hell. The, the rights were acquired in 2001 because it was so similar to Harry Potter. From 2001 onwards, yeah, they thought, oh, should we make the film? Should we not make the film? Different people had to go at writing a script. But while the books were still rolling out, while Ian Colfer was still writing more sequels to it, they thought, no, because it centers on kids, we need to wait. Uh, we need to get a run of the book. So when we make the films, the kids will be the right age. It was only acquired by Disney around 2016, 2017. Uh, and it changed director once. 
uh, before anything was even filmed. That doesn't qualify as development hell. If you're talking about the fact that they stalled so long between 2001 to 2016 to release the film, then maybe. But as soon as Disney got their hands on it, they started pre-production. They got a script together. They changed director. But like I say, it didn't impact shooting. I don't think that's development hell. The MacGuffin, it it means something to the fans. The Oculus is is the source of the fairies' power. It's the source of their magic. Um, The traditional folklore, fairies bury acorns. Acorns is the source of magic. So this is essentially a golden acorn, and it's the original source of fairy magic. This is what I gathered from the film. I've not even read the books. Uh, it's, It's not a MacGuffin. Fans will know what it is, and it becomes more relevant later down the line. It's like watching the first MCU films and saying the Tesseract is a MacGuffin. Yeah, It's not. It will become important later. It'll be important in MacGuffin. the next few films. The Tesseract is MacGuffin, though. And, and it's, it's paramount to the entire MCU universe. Much but yeah, later it's, it's down the line... Better. It's done better. Later down the MacGuffin. line, though, would you still consider the Tesseract a MacGuffin? I say it's yes. got a plot point to it. I'd say there's a reason behind the Tesseract. And Opal Cowboy, you can't just change the character's history like that. This is one of the most significant villains in the Artemis Fowl series. And she's the main villain in book four and five, I think. I did a bit of research into this one. Um, you can't just bring her forward and have the showdown at the end of film one. She, she appears later down the line. She's actually just like a, a secondary villain in the first one. Like I say, the bad guy is considered by many to be Artemis Fowl. She's a secondary sort of character, a secondary sort of villain. She'll have her day further down the line. You don't so, need to have a showdown with her at the end of this one. It's setting is, up a future film. She is the villain in this film though, isn't she? The, your take on it, yeah, but in the books, Artemis Fowl is the focal point. He is the uh, the bad guy. Yeah, but in this film, he's not the villain. She is. I mean, she kidnaps Artemis. You know, she he, Artemis Fowl Senior. She mm. she has like a black hood on. Yeah, She's but you don't villain, see very much no, of her. Well, there's no showdown with the villain. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You don't, no, but you no don't showdown. see very much of her. There's no it's showdown like, with Thanos until. I can't believe you're comparing this to. I can't believe you did that. If I may, if I may, it's like the Bond films. Bond doesn't have a showdown with Blofeld at the end of From Russia. But he has a showdown with the villain in that film. I believe we're arguing about this. (laughs) Right, guys, please shut the hell up. Joel, I noticed that you wrote down a very, uh, a very quick point there. Do you want to say that before I move back to Dave? Yeah, it's just something that Dave's touched on a few times. And I said, what happened when Disney got Star Wars? It got shit. And that's <laughs> right. exactly what happened with Artemis Fowl. Thank, thanks, Joel. Uh, back to Dave. Right, uh, right. I want to drop all uh, rebuttals now, talking about script or anything. Right. You mentioned Kenneth Branagh as a director. I didn't know that he was the director on this. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh, he's had some success in the past. He's also had some questionable films as well, like uh, not very well critically received. Uh, Dave, tell me about the direction in this film. I also want to hear about the production, design, uh, cinematography, anything that, that you want to add. Okay. Uh, I think Kenneth Brown does a decent job, to be honest with you. He was given a bit of a free reign uh, when it came to... He was actually allowed into the casting decision. Nonzo Alonzi was actually his idea to bring in as uh, Butler, who is essentially Artemis's bodyguard. Uh, kind of think Alfred to Bruce Wayne sort of kind of role. Uh, and he was given free reign to do that. He was given free reign to change um, the gender of Root. I think Root is the, um, that's it's Judy Dench's character. That's the chief of the uh, fairy police who is um, male in the books. And he was given permission to change that. He thought it'd be more effective having Judy Dench in the role, having a woman in that, in that role. Uh, so he was given okay. free reign to make some changes along the way, to make some artistic changes and move things along as he, cho- as he saw fit. So I think he's been able to put his stamp on this. 
and he's been able to move things along. The cinematography, I think, is decent. There's a lot of CGI in this, but then when you think you're talking about battles with trolls, you're talking about fairies, you're talking about magic, it's understandable there would be CGI in this. You know, Disney have got the money to do it, and you know they they don't hold back when it comes to CGI. If they want a, a fight with a troll in the in the hallway of a house, they're going to do it. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of CGI, um, but I'd say cinematography wise, it's it's fine. I wouldn't say it's anything. Overly remarkable, but it's fine, uh, I suppose. Um, yeah, I actually, I mean, I, I actually disagree on some of that. I think there are some incredible visuals uh, alongside this. And I think, I think there are points in in the film that are very well shot. When you first come down into the elf world, that's really impressive. Uh, in in terms of CGI, you're coming down into this, like what looks to be almost an underwater uh, land, and it. I think that's a really, really great visual. You've seen similar similar uh, scenes before in other fantasy type films, but that's pretty good. And then when they use the the frame stopping thing, they have the the elves have this um, this like tool so that they can come and tidy up any mess that gets on if if any magic uh, creatures get out of the out of there. So they have this um, time freeze tool basically. So it's just then they come in and they wipe everyone's minds. But that that scene in uh, in Italy where there's a troll gets out when they stop that that's a that's a great piece of uh, piece of work you know where they, they freeze this entire it's like a Renaissance painting with everything going crazy they come around they tidy everything up wipe everyone's memory of the troll and then like restart it and I think that I think that's a great you know great impact and there's, there's lots of great visual scenes you know it's shot in Ireland and there's some beautiful coastlines beautiful scenery to be. Uh, to, to be captured and, and they did it, did it brilliantly. You know, if you remember in, like everyone was, was uh, raving about a Game of Thrones, the way they were using this scenery. It's the same scenery. It's the same, you're on the same coast. You're the same, like it's shot in Port Russia at times. Literally the same place. Similar cast. Honestly, like that, this Fantastic, film just sounds bananas. It's been compared <laughs> to Inception. <laughs> Game of Thrones and Bula quote. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't know what to expect it. Right, obviously, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to move on. Joel, uh, anything you'd like to report there? Why isn't the direction very good and the cinematography? Uh, so, you know, we have several conversations fairly regularly about how trailers are you know ruining films how they show you things that you know really you don't want to see google uh, the artemis file trailer and it's a completely different film you know the 90 percent of the trailer never made it into the film they filmed whole sequences just for the trailer that never made it into the film and it just goes to show again the development absolute fucking mess that this film went through. Um, so in terms of the direction, the cinematography, you know, that alone speaks for itself because they obviously didn't know what they were doing. They didn't even know how to get from point A to point you know, B at the end. They just went like all over the place and they obviously just filmed a bunch of stuff, made this trailer and then made the film. And, you know, they just pieced it along as they went and it's exceedingly obvious. You know, you can say the cinematography is good and all that type of stuff, but at the end of the day, the costumes are absolutely terrible. I've already touched on that. Um, you know, Judy Dench, I feel extremely sorry for her looking like she does because she does look like a green fly pretty much. You know, she's got these like kind of, uh, I don't know, it's like a helmet, but it looks as though like the, the two little things on her head are like, you know, fly eyeballs 
whoever was in charge of costumes, set design, all that type of stuff. It's just, it's a fuck up from start to finish, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> that, that's the best. If, if I was going to market this and, you know, there's a DVD on the shelf, my quote <laughs> on the front would be fuck up from start to finish. <laughs> that's why Joel's not in marketing. Okay. Can, okay. I, can I have I a quick with some so. uh, t- witness testimony to be yeah, honest with you? Uh, yeah. uh, no, hang on, wait, wait, but before that, uh, Alex, right, this point better be will. very, very quick. It's very brief, it's very brief. You know, Dave's saying this hasn't gone through development hell. That's the, that is the kindest thing you could say about this film, is that it did go through development hell, because then it's not everyone's fault, anyone in particular's fault. It's been studio machine to death. You can see that just by the, just the way it doesn't take any risks at all about anything. The, the first thing you, one of the first things you see, it's based in Ireland, and you know you see the kids surfing, which is always what you think of when you think of Ireland, don't you? <laughs> and like, it, 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 there's just a quick this rebuttal: awful, you can the, surf on. I'm the, sure you can. It's a typical yeah. thing. Yeah. This, this point is supposed to be very quick, and not yeah, whether yeah, or yeah, not it is, it you is. can surf in Ireland. First, That's not the, the debate first, we're having. The first, the first thing you see is this CGI'd house, which is just bizarre. I don't know why they did a CGI house. The budget of this film is $125 million and it's just criminal that they managed to... I don't know where they did it because the CGI itself is appalling. Like the troll the is price. appalling. The, the house itself, just, just appalling. You, you can see it all the time and you don't believe the world that it's used the CGI to do, so the CGI has failed. Gav, can I, can okay. I just add a, a very No, you can't. On, no. I just <laughs> want to tell you what Brucey told me in, in a text, and he said, I would rather watch Blood Orgy at Beaver Lake than watch Artemis Fowl again. <laughs> 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 right, 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 right. The prosecution have got to shut the hell up now. Ozzy has got some very important witness testimonies here from Ready? a number of kids that really I... Sh- exciting. There you go. It was really fast and exciting. Okay. He could literally about going on the slide to the box. He's you know just I mean? got like some sound clips <laughs> off YouTube and just... Yeah, I like the elves the best. Okay, uh, go on. So I asked, I said, what was your favourite part of it? I like Which the elves, elves the best. Where are the elves? Hang on, hang on, wait, wait. Uh, Austin, you need to kind of tell us the questions okay. you're going to ask the kids before you play okay. the random sound okay. clip, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, the uh, first question was, what did you think of the film? All right. What did you think of the film? Here we go. It was really fast and exciting. There you go. Okay, so really fast and exciting. <laughs> what was your What was your favourite part of the film? I like the elves the best. I like the elves the best. I also want to say I don't think there are any elves in the film. There weren't any elves in the film. They mean fairies. Do we need to split hairs? Well, it's a apparently child. the exposition didn't work, did it? They were explaining it and it hasn't worked. Because <laughs> they think the main characters the aren't who they are. Austin, right, one Austin last one, go on. Last one, I said, me and Dave think the film is really good as well. But there's two other guys who, <laughs> who are there who think it's a terrible film. She said... The other two are just silly. <laughs> that is the truest thing anybody said on this podcast so far today right uh, okay right moving on uh prosecution you can show up again uh and moving on to cast and characters performances acting all of that dave can you tell me a bit about it yeah i think it's actually a pretty solid cast that kenneth brown has been able to assemble once you get a director like kenneth Branner on board people just tend to shit. flock to him but pardon 
Uh, can the prosecution <laughs> please shut the hell up? You don't so know how hard it is in the background. Shut up on this film, tri- seriously. I hope, I hope, Gav, that you're taking note of the tactics that they've employed throughout this. It's a bad that, sneaky, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, did I send that to the group? I meant to send that just... <laughs> that yeah, was a mistake. I, that that, that seems mistake. like a pretty desperate I, move. I sent, pretty desperate I sent, move. I sent a picture, I meant to send to Joel, of a, of, of a man holding a gun over a barrel full of fish. <laughs> and, I genuinely, and I genuinely did mean to send that just to Joel. I, right, I okay, right, uh-huh. right. Moving on. Dave, yeah, go on. Cast. So, Judy Dench. I mean, do I need to say any more? Judy Dench delivers some great performances. She's picked some poor films from time to time. Cats was mentioned before. She's had a, she picked a bad one. But this, you know, Judy Dench kind of gruffs this up. You can believe that she is the head of a police task force. You really can. And I never thought I'd say that about Judy Dench. She's kind of channeled uh, the M from the Bond films for this one, I think. Uh, Colin Farrell. I'm not a big Colin Farrell fan, if I'm perfectly honest with you. So, uh, Alex, can you just take yourself off screen instead of making a scene, please, man? Uh, yeah, Alex, come on, man. Behave. Come on. You won't yeah. be doing this come in on. <laughs> Come on. Okay, Colin Farrell. I'm not actually a big fan of Colin Farrell normally. He is not really in this too much, though, so I actually didn't mind that so much. He's, he's fine, though. You know, he's not a bad actor, I guess. I just don't particularly care for Colin Farrell. I adore Josh Gad. However, I think he's fantastic. Uh, ever since, you know, Book of Mormon, he was in the original Broadway cast for that. Um, he's really making um, a niche for himself in Disney. You know, he's obviously Olaf in Frozen. Kids love him from that. Casting him as Mulch Stiggums, which is apparently a big character going forward in the series, was a good move. It really was. Uh, so I think Josh Gad and having him as the narrator as well, very recognizable voice. It was a good call. And he gives a lot of... Um, He's good for comedy. He's a comedic actor. So, you know, the uh, the accidental, well, it's not accidental, but the pickpocketing of, of Nonzo Alonzo's butler, you know, when uh, he, he confiscates Holly's weapon and he has to get it back through through uh, Mulch Diggums. I thought that was actually quite good. Ferdia Shaw, yeah, it's his first film. Uh, he's Robert Shaw's grandson, by the way, as well. If, uh, that's a little bit of trivia for you. Um, and yeah, he does fine, to be honest with you. It's a difficult character to play. I, I sympathize with him to a degree. Because it's kind of a socially awkward character. You know, people said, oh, there's nothing to him. There's not much, you know, there's uh, there's no personality there. He's very socially awkward. It's like kind of like that genius who can't really communicate with people. You know, he doesn't have a, a social aptitude or anything like that. So he is, he is, when he speaks to people, it is quite strained. But I think that's part of what they were trying to go for for the character. I mean, if anyone can give pointers to these actors, it's Kenneth Branagh. You know, wherever you rate him as a director and has been able to uh, maneuver a camera around, he can give notes to actors. He knows what he's doing. And he approved the casting of Nonzo Alonzi and a lot of the other cast members. So, Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Dave. Um, Joel, uh, tell me a little bit about the cast and characters and performances and such. Uh, so as I touched on before, you know, uh, Fadir Shaw is terrible. Yeah, it sound, sounds bad when he's, you know, a kid. And I do feel a little bit bad for saying it, but he is terrible. You know, like I said, he's constantly almost looking around as though he seems unsure as to, you know, what to say, how to say it. And like I kind of touched on before, I really do think, feel as though they just kind of filmed a bunch of stuff with this film and then plastered whatever bits made sense the most together at the end. And it comes across in both how uh, the characters are and um, how the performances are as well, you know, You've got Colin Farrell in this. You've got Judy Dench. I very much feel as though they got those um, actors in just to put on the tin, you know, to try and draw people in. They must look back on this film with just complete disdain and embarrassment. You know, it's one of those films which, 
when it's on your CV, you're like, ooh, you know, it's probably going to leave a bit of a, a bit of a bad mark, really. I don't think anybody really comes out of this with, you know, a tick next to their name. But I don't blame any of them. You know, I don't blame uh, for Dear Shaw. You know, I fully blame Disney. I fully blame whoever made the script for this. Uh, I fully blame the director. You know, they obviously all needed uh, much better you know, kind of attention to detail, care, all that type of thing. So, like I've said, with every other point you've asked me, it's just a complete shit show. Okay, Alex, quickly. Um, you know, the, the, I, I just agree with Joel that, like, no one who made this, no one who's in this film wanted now to have been in it. It's just, Dave kept talking about the franchise moving on. I cannot stress how much there will not be a franchise moving on from this film. Nothing is going to be made after this. This is going to go down in history as as a really really bad one and just you know to, to give you some idea about how bad the characters are there's um nonso and anonzi's anozi's um character has a niece who's brought in she lit she delivers a sandwich to artemis fowl and that is all she does in the film she just gives him a sandwich and then there's nothing else obviously scenes have been cut she must have had a bigger part but it's just such a mess that you have characters doing stuff like that nothing saves it. Josh Gad, again, maybe, you know, there's, he, he tries his best. Honestly, he does try his best and you, you do feel sorry for him, but nothing can save something when, when it's just such a complete mess. Okay, and Austin? Um, I, I, I feel as though you're a clever enough guy to understand when you're being lied to. <laughs> <laughs> By these two absolute reprobates. Is we, me and Dave have given you pretty much a, a truthful... Uh, aspect of oh, 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 you did it for the child. Like, like genuinely, the good, the good, and the bad. Against the will. To be honest, in my personal experience, Ozzy, when you've run out of stuff to say and you genuinely don't believe your own argument, you start to personal insults. Yeah, you start attacking. That's not. I feel like it's. I feel like it's not. It's not productive for me to just say I disagree with everything Alex has just said because you're you're clever enough to know that 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 character. Um, the, um, he's clever his nephew. To know when you're her, her niece does not <laughs> does not have just a single sandwich to deliver. She's in there for quite a bit throughout the main this so, this so what else action scene. So she's part of the action scene. Right, I book. don't well, want to know about do? this sandwich <laughs> delivery niece. Sandwich. I really want to move on. <laughs> right. What else does she do in the plot? How big is the sandwich? The How many layers are we talking about? <laughs> Was it just cheese? It is. It is a good sandwich. It's one of the best things in the film. You, you right, and okay. I both know, Alex, that she's part of the action scene where no, the troll breaks into the library. Aussie, right, yeah. right. Ending it. Any final points from anybody? Right. Uh, no. No. Go on. Let's have Gav, a Honestly, uh, my final point is this film would not be out of place in the selection that you bring on the lads' holidays. It is that yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be out of place. Right. Okay. It, it's, it's almost worth studying. I think they should show film students just so they know not to make Artemis foul. Okay, Dave, I think, I think you should have at least one final point here because both prosecution have had one. I would just like to point out we are not the target audience and you know most of us never have been. Joel, maybe 20 years ago, would have been no longer. Kids seem to like it. I think that says enough. Okay, Which right. kids? Which like, kids? Aussie recorded? The four, we know of at least four. They didn't even know where the main characters were fairies and not elves. Four, four children that Aussie made watch this film. Right. <laughs> uh, please, please, for the love of God, move on. Uh, Dave, have you got a quiz for us, please? I do. I do have a quiz for us. Um, okay, so basically, in, in uh, homage to the lost episode of Joker, 
Uh, I based it on a similar thing, but with Artemis file theme. So I'm going to go around, all four of you pick a topic. You're going to get three questions on that topic, and you can steal if the person who's uh, picked the topic doesn't know. So who'd like to go? Actually, Gab, I'll let you go first because you've got a lot to consider. Right. Okay. Uh, your topics are Celtic mythology in film, famous grandchildren, children's books in film, and Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell? Colin Farrell. Okay. Colin Farrell got his big break in which 1990s TV show? Oh, was it Bally Cassadio? It was Bally Cassadio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know more about Colin Farrell than I'd like to let on. <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell has been cast as which Batman villain in the upcoming DC movie, The Batman? The Penguin. It is The Penguin. Well done. And also, Colin Farrell was drafted in as one of three actors to replace uh, the late Heath Ledger in Terry Gilliam's Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Who are the other two actors? Oh, um, uh, it's Heath Ledger. Oh, it's replacing Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, oh, frig, I can't remember. It's, it's one of them, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is one of them. And, oh, I can't, Jude Law? Yeah, enemy of the podcast, Jude Law, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give points to Gav on that one. Well done, three out of three. Oh, Nicely yes. Done. Uh, Brucey, do you want to go next? You've got famous yeah. grandchildren, Celtic mythology in film, and children's books in film. Famous grandchildren, please. Famous grandchildren. Okay, Riley Keough from Mad Max Fury Road is the granddaughter of which music legend? Mm, no idea. Sorry. Couldn't I don't want to steal. Can we have a clue? <laughs> Um, King of Rock and Roll. Elvis Presley. Alice Cooper. Uh, I'll give that to Ozzy. I, li- <laughs> I like your style, Bojol. <laughs> I'm going to give that one to Ozzy. It is Elvis Presley. Uh, book smart and American horror story actress Billy Lord is the granddaughter of which singing in the rain star, Alex? Gene Kelly? No. Anyone want to steal? The rain Kelly? only want to know from that. <laughs> Billy Lord is granddaughter of oh, um, Doris um, Lord Doris um, Lord uh, Doris no. Roberts no, no she is she's daughter of Carrie Fisher and granddaughter of Debbie Reynolds oh, yeah. Debbie Reynolds no one gets that oh. point and Alex Henry Fonda's granddaughter Bridget had a small role in which hit list material gangster movie mm. oh uh I'll, let oh, me, I'll tell you now, you, one... you would not consider this hit list material. In fact, I know no. you don't. Oh, uh, oh uh, the Brooklyn one. That one, uh, the one with Charles Palmentary? No, I thought you liked no. that one. I'm disappointed. No, sorry. no, not that one. Oh, sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, the looking for, anyone? Anyone want to steal? Thanks, uh, no. the squad. No. Is no, it that the one answer. that we did recently? No, it was a while ago we did this. The answer is Godfather Part 3. Oh. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Poor old Bridget. Yeah. 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 Uh, Joel, I'll come to you next. Uh, you've got Irish well, I feel mythology. Like I should give Ozzy the kids' books one since he's obviously in touch with the kids. <laughs> so I'll have uh, Celtic mythology. Okay. I hate to say it, Ozzy, you might have been left for the hardest category there. <laughs> I thought everyone would go for one, one kids' books in film, so I made that one harder. Okay, Joel. Um, 2015 horror film The Hallow was directed by Corin Hardy, best known for directing The Nun, which is an installment in which horror franchise? Uh, the Conjuring. Correct. Uh, two, The Giant's Causeway features prominently in which 2008 Guillermo del Toro action film? Um, uh, Hellboy. 
Uh, sorry, Hellboy 2. Gav's got it. It is Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. What happened to Guillermo del Toro? Do you know, remember when he was amazing after Pan's Labyrinth? He still is. He's still good. Water. Still good. Oh, oh, but I'll behave. Oh, <laughs> but bear this in mind when you're making your... your <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Joel, final question. Chronicles of Prydain by Lloyd Alexander was adapted into the Walt Disney animated classic The Black Cauldron. On which UK country's mythology was these books based? Which UK country? Yeah, so you got you got a one in four chance. Ireland, surely. It's not Northern Ireland. Bruce. Wales. It is Welsh mythology. Well done, Brucey. And Aussie, that means you are left with children's books in film. Children's books in film. I mean, they're tricky. They're not that bad. But who wrote the classic children's book, Mary Poppins? Um, I should know that, but I oh, don't know. Bam. Bam. Yeah, you just quicker. Oh no, no! I, I was going to say <laughs> no, no, no. That's the best thing about Fifty Shades of Grey. Sorry, PL James. <laughs> is that, is it, it's PL Travis. PL Travis. I'll give you that one. <laughs> it is Easy PL mistake Travis. to make, though. Quite similar themes. <laughs> <laughs> Easy mistake to make, but my God, you shouldn't make it often. <laughs> Mary Poppins falls to me. It's a euphemism. Just <laughs> halfway, halfway through reading it to the kids and just being like, "Hang on a minute." When does this nanny come in? <laughs> <laughs> Sliding up and down that stairway Moving quickly on. Moving quickly on. Ozzy, second question. Rick Riordan wrote which series of books which places a modern day teenage protagonist into the world of Greek mythology? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know. Peter Percy Jackson. Jackson. Brucey, it is Percy Jackson. Did you say Peter Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I said Peter Jackson. <laughs> that's, that's definitely Brucey that gets that one. Uh, and final question, Ozzy. E.B. White's Charlotte's Web has been adapted many a time. What is the name of the pig? Wilbur? It is Wilbur. Well done, Ozzy. Well done, Ozzy. Well I done, think you though. should win that full quiz. It's a bit... I was reading that book out to the class and there's a bit in the book when he says... Uh, I went fishing and I walked home with a warm, a warm stiff kipper in my pocket. <laughs> like, like, I was honestly reading it out and just burst out laughing. But obviously, just had to like carry on and was just like, oh, sorry, I'm just thinking of some, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm, just thinking, of I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking of what I'm going to have for tea later. <laughs> but well done, guys. Very well done. But I think that quiz goes to Gav. Oh, thank you very much. You, you mopped up on Colin Farrell, mate. I know. Uh, who thought that I knew so much about Colin Farrell? Um, uh, it is, uh, I would say this is a hard one. <laughs> but <laughs> Davis led so close to me. It feels like he's in the same room. Right? Uh, I will say that the, the, the prosecution had many, many points that I genuinely believed. Um, Dave... You're usually quite reserved on films that you don't like, and I felt like you were quite reserved on this. You were given some good points, but they weren't as good a point as the prosecutions were bad, if that makes sense. Um, it, it did sound like there I was a lot... English there was as terrible as they used in Artemis File. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that was bad, wasn't it? It's like, I'd rather have Gary Oldman in a film <laughs> than not in one without one. At least it was memorable. You're still saying it now. <laughs> I know. Um, I, noticed right. uh, I noticed there's quite a lot of light in that room that you're in today, actually, Gav. Just, yeah, I've got, I've got two... A lot. Oh, right, yeah. I, I would say that... Um, 
that like the prosecution did make many, many, many good points for why it's a bad film. But Ozzy did give up two and a half hours of his <laughs> Sunday to help me fit a light uh, via Zoom. So, I mean, that's got to weigh in that favour. So I'm thinking about putting it on. <laughs> no, Ozzy, even in spite of all your tremendous help, and it was a, a big help, there's no other place for this by the sounds of it than the shit list. So I'm sorry, Dave and Ozzy, but it's a shit one. No, I, I think Dave and Ozzy deserve a round of applause. Like a okay, huge, right. Huge Gen- round of applause. <laughs> I'm still scared that Ozzy genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I know. Right, genuine opinions. I'm not even going to bother asking Alex and Joel because I think there was quite... Well, Alex, was it genuine? Yeah. I, I, I mean, if you check the... We'll do the Rotten Tomatoes in a bit, but I've never seen a score as low as it is on Rotten Tomatoes. And when I checked before the episode, it's gone lower. Do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> it, it, this is, I would honestly say, so appalling that I think you might enjoy watching it because it, it is almost like, wow, this is, you know... That this is what films should not do. I was quite surprised, really. Like, I, I was actually genuinely considering saying to, uh, you know, my wife, Jen, like, I've got a film which I reckon you might like. Do you want to watch it this <laughs> afternoon? I didn't, just because she was asleep. She was having a nap. And fuck, like, I dodged a bullet there. She would have killed me. <laughs> to, to be honest, like, we were picking films that we're going to watch this week. And I was like, oh, I need to watch Artemis Fowl because I'm judging it tonight, so I'll need to watch it by next week. And all it did was put up the the still of the poster, and she was like, "That looks like incredibly <laughs> awful." And I was like, "Really?" I, I was like, "I mean, it just looks like standard faff for me." But she was like, "No, that looks really, really bad." Um, okay, right, Ozzy, right? I think you're the most intriguing one here because yeah. you could probably like this shit, Ozzy. This film is absolutely awful. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I had to feed those lines to the kids. Though, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you tampered with evidence. Uh, but, uh, J- J- you know what? Cause I that watched is the, shameless. Uh, I-, I watched the trailer, that trailer that Joel was on about. That trailer, make this film looks incredible. And then I was like, fucking hell, why, why is this? Is this even the same film? It's like, the-, the trailer looks great. I wish they'd made that film and not this. Um, right. Yeah, I, I was almost believing my own arguments by the end of it, though. But, <laughs> I, I literally yeah. can't believe that you that, that you made those poor kids lie for you. <laughs> yeah. You paired with those children. I think that the fact that they said elves was a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> right, the fact um, that you didn't know who they were as well. You fed them the wrong line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, finally, Dave... Um, I'd just like to say I had nothing to do with the recording of those kids. I didn't know that I was reading them lines. <laughs> um, this film, to call it um, a fuck up from start to finish, I think is the kindest thing you could say about it. It is diabolically, unapologetically, irredeemably bad. This wow. is a shit stain on everybody's <laughs> legacy who is associated with this film. Kenneth Branagh, Judy Dance, Colin Fowle, no one gets away unscared. This is dire absolutely dire i think this is too dire to be watched on a lad's holiday i I would sooner watch bula quo again everything that the prosecution said stands up yeah oh yeah no they they were they were telling the truth throughout (laughs) i was lying through my teeth do you think this might be the worst film we've ever put on the podcast yeah i think i would probably watch this over bone alone to be honest but yeah it's very 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 close i enjoyed bone alone no it's it's atrocious it's honestly atrocious there's no redeeming qualities to this they have absolutely hacked to death 
a beloved kids book and they're not even sorry they've done it i was i was i was telling the truth about that froze free scene though i quite liked that i thought that was well done but other Mm. than that you did a you did a hell of a job though i have to say you made it you know i mean it was was that was one of the hardest ones I, can't, I just can't believe like Judy Dench straight off the back of Cats appeared in this. It's <laughs> you know, like her it's agent like, should know. be taken out in the shot. Not not it's, like yeah. fired, but literally not allowed to work ever again. From a cannon, it's like yeah. a hair agent has <laughs> murdered a career more than Silver murdered them. <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, right, uh, okay, so <laughs> I roll lower than our previous film on trial, which was the Oscar winning <laughs> which got ninety one percent of Rotten Tomatoes one of the highest scores we've ever had 91% this, is, this has got the 9% hasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> the, it's a 10% that didn't like Birdman like this oh, yeah. I think <laughs> so this is this is this is bad this is probably I think the worst score that we've had it's 9% which is incredible <laughs> I'm um, amazed they got that I, I it, it, it's got more than Bone Alone I think it has I wouldn't have be surprised. Bone alone. Better than I can't believe Bone Alone, which got made for about have 20 quid. Have we had quid. one below 10% before? I don't, I don't know. Think think so. Below right, 10% so, and, and, and $125 million. The amount of people who've lost their jobs over this. You oh know. my God. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, once again, I put a poll on Twitter over the weekend to ask our friends and followers which list Artemis Fowl should be placed on. I've just checked out the scores now. A whopping 88% think that it should be placed on the shit that's, list. That's incredibly low. I can't yeah. believe 12%. This should have gotten 100% sweep. I'm surprised. Well, uh, it's probably those four things that are interviewed. Aussie. Okay, so uh, before we call it a day, it's time for a caption contest. I'll take a screenshot of the film and I'll put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to prevent, provide a funny caption with the best one winning a frog-shaped chocolatey treat. Uh, right, so you guys have just got to pick the funniest caption to come. Uh, yeah, funniest caption to what the fuck am I saying here? The, the picture is essentially Judy Dench's. What is she, Dave? Like a fairy police cop. chief, a fairy yeah, she's cop, the chief police, of chief. police chief. Yeah. Okay, so hair in a green outfit, which does actually look quite bad. Uh, so number one <laughs> was. Uh, you think at this age I'd have more than a mo- I'd have more than enough money to retire on, but no. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Fern Gully, the last rainforest. Uh, number three, this cat sequel is gonna be amazing. <laughs> uh, next one. Her agent has been right. Once you are cast in a Riddick movie, there's no going back. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, when any... Um, hang on, wait. Uh, no, I'm not going to read that one out. Uh, life after James Bond didn't plan out as Judy imagined. <laughs> uh, Judy Dentures says she's not too long in the tooth to still be acting. <laughs> uh, the next one is, okay, I'm green, so who am I? A goblin? And uh, darn the police. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one is Oompa Lumpers locked and loaded. <laughs> uh, okay. One of the first ones. Uh, I'd say the Riddick one for me, actually. Okay, so uh, yeah, go on, guys. Uh, I, I like the first one, the, um, the what's the. I can't remember what it was now. The, uh, you should, think I at this age I'd have enough now. money yeah, to retire? Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm going to go with that one. Right, okay. Well, congratulations to a good friend and fellow podcaster, uh, Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You've just won yourself a flippity Freddo. Can I, can I just can I just ask, like, 
I'm not sure if this is just me, but you know, I wanted to talk about it before, but honestly, I just I needed to stop saying things. So, you know, like Judy Dench, at first she starts speaking and she's sort of talking in this gruff, yeah. gruff voice. <laughs> and you know, at first you're like, well, what's that? Maybe it's some sort of weird fairy voice, a fairy accent she's got going on. And it's only when the ship lands, and honestly, Gav, just watch it for this bit, where like the gangway goes down and she just goes, tapping them on into you. It, it, and honestly, I was just like, she's meant to be Irish. Oh my God. <laughs> she's meant to have been Irish this entire time. Oh, Did man. everyone else, was that just me? Uh, well, or? I don't know if she was. I wasn't sure it was because just landed in Ireland. <laughs> and I thought but, she was doing the I think she was just blending in. She's in Philomena and she does an amazing Irish accent. So she can do an Irish accent. I just don't know why she... I, she I, didn't. I, I think well, she like, put more emphasis on being gruff, gruff yeah. than yeah. she did in, maybe in getting the accent right. Maybe it's she can do it. You're right. And Irish, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I just didn't think that you were meant to be Irish at all. I thought it was just because <laughs> they've come to Ireland because they weren't based in Ireland. Okay. Because she came, yeah, they yeah. were based in some fairyland somewhere. So she takes on the accents of wherever she goes geographically. No, I think it was her. Be, I think it's meant to be funny. I think it was <laughs> like Steve <laughs> McLaren. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> thank, thank God it wasn't. You know what I mean? She didn't land anywhere that wasn't yeah. island. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> like, could have got pretty hefty once you start going to different countries there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, so so we haven't actually picked out uh, uh, the next film to put on trial. Can we Usually we pick it out of the hat. But because we, we randomly we picked, picked three beard-related films, I, th- I thought that we could just decide a fourth one to cap it off, make it four, four weeks of beard films in a row. Any suggestions? I'd like uh, to film fly away home. beards bathing. Can we, is there any of them? Beards bear bathing? I don't know. Is there a bird bath? Bird bath and beyond. <laughs> bird, bird box. There's a bird box. <laughs> bird box. Yeah. Black, Black Swan, pretty like contentious. Black Swan would be a good one. Black Swan. Ooh. Yeah. Black, yeah. Black Swan would be a good one, though. I'm throwing chicken run back out there again. Chicken run. <laughs> what about great two beds, one nest? That's probably a very sweet. Not in the same episode we've had. It might actually be a very sweet, but there's just connotations. We've been yeah. been around exactly. Long, yeah, like I'm. I'm just talking about two beds in a nest. <laughs> in a nest. The big raising, raising, raising the chicks. Yeah. It. What Why about don't we split uh, the difference and do Batman and Robin? <laughs> Has that split any difference? <laughs> it it, like, it just mainly just means we're just going to stop talking about two birds, one nest. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Batman and Robin. Batman, I'll, I'll Robin. sign off on Batman and Robin. Oh. Okay, right. Yeah, and, Batman and, and Robin. Can we just play, is it higher or lower right now? And just say it's higher than 9%. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So we're going to round off our bird month with uh, Batman and Robin next week. Uh, I've just done a bit of a random uh, pulling out of names here so uh, in defense and trying to get batman and robin on please the hit be list, aussie please be aussie and dave <laughs> <laughs> it's me and alex uh, in prosecution is going to be joel and captain dave and judge is going to be aussie why is aussie the judge for this <laughs> <laughs> it's going to end up on the hit list no matter what we do. <laughs> right so thank you to I everybody would, i want to i want to redraw that because i don't think that was random <laughs> that was that was right like you're prosecuting batman 
Batman and Robin and you want to redraw it. <laughs> I know, that is throwing the dice on that one. To, uh, yeah, right. Okay, so thank you to everybody who's listened to this episode. If you like the episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe and why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just spread the warm love that his films on trial in as many years as possible. Uh, and why not just follow us on all social media at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, that's it. We've had it. Artemis Fowl is definitely a shit. And we'll be in your ears next week with Batman and Robin. Goodbye.